strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Hey, the NFL might be on vacation, and you know what? After 2020, it was well-earned and well-deserved, right? And it's going to be a 17-game regular season this year, so they better get the rest. But the Big Red Rage, we are 52 weeks a year. Yep, talking Cardinals, all ball, all year long. My name is Paul Calvisi. Welcome in, everyone, to this special edition, a best-of edition of the Big Red Rage as we've had the pleasure of talking to current players and past players and assistant coaches and Cardinals coordinators, team executives, the decision makers, a lot of great insight from those on the inside. So our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, he's hit the archives this offseason, and we're going to revisit, highlight some of the standout interviews that pertain to the upcoming season. Actually, it's also a way to give Wolf the night off because uh, you know Wolf and a former player, okay? He's needy. He needs his vacation. He All right, he earned it, although don't tell him I said that. And you know what? No better place to start than the most important position on the field, quarterback. And we got to hear from Cardinals Hall of Famer Kurt Warner on the current Pro Bowler, Kyler Murray, right? QB on QB analysis, especially since not only is Kurt on the NFL Network, but he's coaching and analyzing the position every single day via his website, qbconfidential.com. And we started by asking Kurt Warner about Kyler in year three, cited what happened last year for guys in year three, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all having those breakout playoff victories and whether that might be something to come for Kyler. Well, I mean, I think when you look at uh, just the last two years, uh, I thought he made a nice leap from year one to year two. Uh, I would say a lot of a lot of guys in the league, a lot of players say that that's where you make your biggest jump is from year one to year two. As you come in the first year, you're just kind of a wide-eyed rookie trying to just survive and figure it out in, in a 16-game season and all that stuff. And then once you settle in and you figure out what it's all about, you can make a big jump into year two but you know the hope I believe for all young guys and all quarterbacks specifically is that you continue to see the progression and you talk about the leap in year three we can go look at Josh Allen and the incredible leap that that he took last year I mean almost transcendent that I didn't know if he could ever he would ever get to the point that he played at last year, and so now the expectation becomes okay what what's he going to be the rest of his career? Can he live up to that expectation that he set in year three but um, but yeah, I mean you want to see them continue to progress and get better i mean let's 
remember, I mean, Kyler Murray for the first half of the year was a part of the MVP conversation. Yep. So let's not, you know, let's yep. not sit here and go, oh, gosh, he's got to get so much better. Or let's hope he makes a big leap. I mean, he was in that conversation for a big part of the year. Now, there is definitely room to grow because a lot of that hype was around what he was doing with his legs more than what he was doing with his arm, meaning just playing within the pocket and deciphering defenses and some of that stuff. So that's where I want to see him get better. But I felt he got a lot more comfortable just in the role and and playing the position last year. And the game seemed to slow down for him, and thus the reason he made a lot of plays. Now I think he just needs to grow in that mental side of understanding what he's seeing, making more of the layups – I like to call them, and, and not having to live in um, that special world, which we know he can do those things. But even the mm-hmm. best quarterbacks in the league that, that can do those things, the more they live in that world, the more their team struggles and the more they struggle as quarterbacks. The less they live in that world, meaning make the layups, make the plays you're supposed to, and then give us four or five of those a game, those are the teams to me that really push the envelope and become playoff teams and even can become championship teams. Um, Because, you know, when you're playing against good teams, it is hard to be that special player week in and week out 10, 12, 15 times a game uh, because everybody's so talented. So do what you're supposed to do and then give me just a little bit extra. Cliff Kingsbury was talking about the evolution of this offense. What what do you think that looks like in year three, Kurt? What do you think the evolution of this offense looks like? Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure uh, because I've still been trying to figure out exactly what they are offensively. Now, we talk about the evolution. I believe bringing in DeAndre Hopkins last year helps every offense evolve. Because what you always want to have in an offense is you want to have that guy, that guy that can play the X position, that a team either A, leaves one-on-one, which makes the game easier for any play caller, any offense, and you know, especially a young quarterback. Hey, DeAndre's one-on-one? Okay, I can go there a lot of the time. So that's the first part of the evolution is they have that guy, that difference-making guy over there at that position. And then the evolution becomes how far can we push the envelope? Is A lot of offenses are very similar. What really separates offenses is the flexibility of players, uh, the ability to push the envelope with complementary football in the passing game, and then, of course, the ability of the quarterback to handle all of that stuff, see those things, and allow the creativity of an offense to take shape because they have the ability to see it and make the plays that are supposed to be made. And so that to me is when you talk about evolution, that's what I'm waiting to see is that I know we have DeAndre now, and I know Kyler can drop back and throw it to DeAndre one-on-one anytime he wants, and they've got a great rapport, and that works. Now I need to see, okay, conceptually, can they create both Mm – Uh, you know, Coach Kingsbury and Kyler, can they create a special offense together um, where they can utilize the mind of the coach 
with the physical abilities and the mind of the quarterback and those things mesh together, now you feel like you've got everything at your fingertips and now you give yourself the opportunity to really be dynamic offensively. You know, it's amazing because a quarterback and a center, you guys have special relationships for the most part, and we all know what we're talking about. But a quarterback and a center for the most part, many times in my career, I'd see the quarterback sitting down with the center and having having conversations, whether it was professional conversations or personal conversations. What do you think, Kurt, the impact of Rodney Hudson may be on Kyler Murray? Well, the biggest thing when you're playing quarterback is you want to play quarterback and you don't want to worry about the guys up front. And so, you know, and again, twofold, not worrying about them in terms of them being able to protect you, but also not worry about them seeing things the same way that you see them. And so for me, you know, I was only in a system that called out the mic one year in New York and I hated it. Because I just said to myself, well, that guy's the mic. Everybody should know that guy's the mic. Why do I have to tell everybody every time I come up to the line of scrimmage, it's the guy in the middle? We should all know that. And then if we want to do something different, then I can communicate that. But I want everybody to know that going in. That, to me, is what makes a good offensive line, is you recognize what you're seeing. You can get to those guys. You have a center, as you're talking about, that communicates that and comes up and goes, hey, yeah, 52 Mike, and this is where we're going, and this is where we're sliding. And I come up, and I know that that guy's thinking exactly what – I'm thinking in those situations. And then I can just play ball. I don't have to worry about those guys up front or or what they're going to do or do I need to tell them and make sure that they're – and that to me is where a center and a quarterback relationship is so important, is that I just want to know what you're thinking. And as long as we think the same way, now I can deal with what I need to deal with from there, and I trust you to deal with what you need to deal with. Uh, it's when you're not on the same page. And so having a guy like Roddy, Roddy Hudson that has been around, has seen it, has seen everything, has played at an extremely high level, hopefully that can free Kyler up mm-hmm. and, and help solve some of those issues. And so he can just play ball, and he doesn't have to think and worry about those things, especially as he's trying to make that evolution uh, and, and learn how to play the position a little bit better, that he doesn't have to worry about anything that's going on up front, and he can really trust those group of guys. And so that's what I, I think you're always hoping to get from your center is that we talk often about an offense coordinator and a quarterback seeing the game the same way, and that helps when you're designing plays and all of those things. And it's the same to me for a center and a quarterback. If you guys can see the game the same way, that just frees both of you up to just, hey, I know he's going to be thinking what I'm thinking. We'll just call right here and we'll, we'll move on and we'll play fast. What's interesting, too, is, listen, the Arizona Cardinals, they brought in a lot of grizzled veterans, Kurt, as you Mm -hmm. well know. You know, J.J. Watt, of course, Malcolm Butler, A.J. Green, bringing Rodney Hudson, bringing these guys into this locker room right here. To me, that is a culture shift that is going to happen inside that locker room. Can you talk on that and speak on that at all, Kurt? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have – you know, great leaders, guys that have been there, guys that have played at a certain level, guys that walk into the locker room and already have a level of uh, success or respect that goes with their name. Those are things that, you know, are extremely valuable. Uh, All I would say is that at the end of the day, though, 
those guys are going to have to be healthy on the field making plays. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is going to come down to. I'm not going to question J.J. Uh, Watt as a man and a man of character and what he's done in this league, but I need to know that he's going to be out there with me every day and that he's truly a part of this culture. And that, to me, is is going to be the biggest question. You know, A.J. Green and Malcolm on, on one-year deals, you know, what does that look like? How are they able to come in and, and really become leaders on this team? And more importantly, that the issues have been injuries with guys like A.J. and, and J.J. Um, as of late. And so, bottom line, it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. If you're not out there with us and you're not able to play and, and you're going through an injury um, – it's a completely different dynamic. So I like what they've done. I like the, uh, the veteran leadership that will be in that locker room. But I think at the end of the day, this is going to all be weighed by how much those guys play. Man, let's hope they hit the lottery, right? Let's mm-hmm. hope these guys stay healthy because I believe A.J. can still play. I know J.J. can still play. He played at a high level at times last year. Malcolm Butler can play. I mean, all those guys. And that, of course, is Kurt Warner. From earlier this offseason here on the Big Red Rage, and we started the interview talking about the Cardinals' current quarterback, Kyla Murray, who in his Pro Bowl season last year, by the way, was named NFC Offensive Player of the Week three times. That makes four times in two years, and the only player with more in team history, Kurt Warner, who earned five Player of the Week awards during his Hall of Fame career. Now, the end of that interview, you heard Kurt mention J.J. Watt and company. Look, Cardinals added some big names with a lot of Pro Bowls. You know they can play. Will they play? Will they stay healthy? You also know not only is it all about playing quarterback, but getting to the quarterback. And with that in mind, the Cardinals' marquee signing of the offseason, at least that one generating the most headlines, would be the signing of J.J. Watt. And when we come back, we'll hear from the Cardinals' defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, on adding a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year This is the best of edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. J.J. Watt has just tweeted that he has signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Whoa! J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) That came out of nowhere. So this is it. This is it. Okay. Let's go. I love the fit. A massive deal for really one of the more up-and-coming teams in the NFL. J.J. Watt coming to the NFC West. It just gets better and better and better. That division is stacked. My gosh, that's an outstanding sign. From the Cardinals' point of view, this piece is the difference. Excited for Arizona Cardinals fans. Look at Steve Kahn. Got his in rest. Pushing buttons, making calls. Let's go, J.J. Watt! He's big guy. What? Sam Houston. Had nosebleed. What? Tackles people. What? He does this little dance. And that is how it sounded when the J.J. Watt news broke to start this offseason, or more accurately, when J.J. Watt broke the news himself, sending out that picture of him in the Cardinals t-shirt, right? And he's in the squat rack with about half the gym on either end of the bar. And, and look, It went national. There's no doubt about it. And for all the attention that we've seen on the Cardinals offense and all the offensive weapons, and rightfully so from QB Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals actually have more money allocated to the defense. And that's what we're going to talk about now here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, our best of edition. Because with nearly $105 in cap space devoted to the D, 
and a defense that was already top five in sacks a year ago, even after losing Chandler Jones in week five to the torn biceps. Well, if you get Chandler Jones back, and now he has J.J. Watt, a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and you're talking about a GM Steve Kime who wanted to check that box when it comes to being more physical and showing more leadership. Well, J.J. Watt is that guy. And someone who knew that from the beginning was the defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. And that was our question. Where did this all start after the Texans released J.J. Watt? Well, when J.J. first asked for his release out of Houston, uh, Steve called me and said, what do you think? I said, well, let's watch the film. Let's see what he has left. And after watching the film, man, I mean, we were really not surprised, but, I mean, he was was still making plays. He was still winning one-on-ones. He was getting double-teamed an awful lot. He played over 1,000 snaps. And we thought, you know, to build our defense and get better quickly was to add a piece inside, you know, at the at the five technique and three technique that can win one-on-one. With Chandler Jones coming back, I mean, he is going to have a chance to, you know, be a real uh, disruptor with our defense. After watching the tape, I mean, he was, he was still playing well. Again, he was healthy playing over 1,000 snaps, so it was a no-brainer. So from that moment on, it was a full-court press on J.J., and the bottom line, I mean, he wanted the process to be really, really quiet. He wanted it to be, you know, off the off the radar some. So, you know, our people in the building did a great job of not leaking that we were involved with trying to sign J.J. And that part he respected. That was half the reason he stayed with us, because it never got out that we were involved with J.J. Obviously, he played for me in Houston, and um, he won his first, you know, first uh, player of the year award in this defense. You know, so he knows how it works. He knows that he can get one-on-ones you know, on guards and centers constantly in this defense. So it was a perfect fit at the end of the day. You know, Steve and his team did a great job of making the financial part work. You know, my guys on defense called him and texted him and kind of showed him pictures of, of what it was going to be like. And it was a perfect fit. You have a personal relationship with J.J. Watt, of course, going yeah. all the way back to being the secondary coach in Houston. What do you remember about J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt when you were in Houston? Well, I remember when we drafted J.J., you know, we laugh about this all the time about in the draft room on draft day, it was really Wade that sold the GM on, on JJ, you know, because most of the room did not want JJ. It was more about Cameron Jordan at the time. You know, even when we drafted JJ, it was kind of booze in the, in the Houston area, you know, but Wade did a great job of knowing what he was going to be, you know, and, um and pushing to get JJ drafted there. But it was the year with the lockout, you know, so we didn't have an off season at all. You know, so all the rookies and veterans came in and training camp, you know, proceeded and went to the, the season. And he was playing good football, but he wasn't J.J. Watt into the playoffs. And that week one playoffs against the Bengals, man, he played his butt off. And from that moment on, he became J.J. Watt. You know, he was always mm-hmm. a hard worker. You know, he was always, a, you know, a high football IQ guy. He was always a playmaker. But it took him a while because, you know, we didn't have an offseason. You know, it took him about, you know, 14 to 15 games to hit his peak. And once he hit it, man, it, it, it never stopped. But his nonstop motor, his nonstop work ethic was apparent day one. You know, and that chip on his shoulder has never gone away. Even to the day he feels cheated. You know, he was a walk-on at Central Michigan as a tight end. <laughs> I love he that. walked on at Wisconsin. You know, he got drafted in Houston. Everybody booed him. You know, so that chip on his shoulder is still there. And um, that's what made him successful, you know, over his career. And at this moment right now, you know, he still feels cheated. There are three players in NFL history to win three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards. Mm. Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald, (laughs) and J.J. Watt. So he won his first with Vance Joseph, our guest, the Cardinals defensive coordinator. It's all about you, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Let me ask you. 
what he does for your run defense. Because, Vance, right. we know you finished in the bottom third. And if I saw this right, he led the NFL in tackles for loss against the run. Is that an underrated right. part of his game? No doubt. You know, our run defense, our first year was pretty good. You know, last year what it wasn't as good. You know, and again, I mean, you can you can determine, you know, how – how good you want to be in run defense because it, it it obviously if you can if you can play too high and play shell stop the run I mean that's a that's a dominant defense you know but um you know if you have to load the box and add numbers that makes you vulnerable in the pass game you know so you have to pick and choose your moments but last year it wasn't good enough in the run game especially in critical moments of the game like four minutes and you know first and ten to get teams in second and longer you know but JJ has always been in and disruptor on first second and third down. You know, and in this defense, it's a five technique, it's a four eye. I mean, he's going to be at the point of attack on the strong side. You know, so that that strong side power, that strong side lead stuff won't crease us downhill, and it's going to allow our backers to run free and to make plays on the run game. You know, so I mean, he he just won't be a force in the pass game, but in the run game alike, with having Chan back on the open side, and ball can't go open side in the three four; it has to go strong side. And so having a you know big time presence inside like JJ to push the ball out to the Sam backer that's going to help us you know if you know first second third down run pass he is going to be a plus to our defense. You know it's interesting, Vance. You mentioned Chandler Jones right there. What's more dangerous in your opinion, JJ Watt and Chandler Jones running games on the same side of the ball or rushing mm-hmm. the passer on opposing edges? I'll say this: it's going to be times where they're going to be on the same side. You know, because a three technique, you know, to the, you know, Will Backer side, if he's a hot in the gap vertical guy in the B gap, it's going to allow Chan to have a two-way go and to come under sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to be times where you're going to see J.J. and Chan together. But most of the time, you know, having those guys split, it's going to make the offense be honest in protections. If J.J. is a four-eye or a five technique, it's no way they can double-team him with a Sam off the edge because the tackle has to go to the Sam. The center has to go to the nose guard. And that leaves that poor strong side guard one-on-one with J.J. And that's the beauty of the 3-4. You can dictate who blocks who, right? And if they keep the tight end in and they chip the Sam backer and push the tackle to J.J., you know, I mean, you just basically play zone coverage. And, I mean, you're playing four over two on top of the receiver. So having a force inside of the 3-4 defense is critical because you can now dictate protections. And they can't simply, you know, bump the Sam or, or slide the Chan. And someone's going to get a one-on-one. And most of the time, it's the strong side end because the center has to go with the nose, the tackle goes to the Sam, and that poor strong side guard has to block J.J. one-on-one. So, Vance... And it, he, made, he made his first player of the year award in his defense. Right. And that was the reason he made it, because he got a bunch of one-on-ones inside. And even the run game, I mean, he had a bunch of TFLs that year and a bunch of sacks you know, alone. So, you know, I mean, he's going to be a force in, in a both areas of... Of defense running pass. So Vance, it makes the offense more predictable. Is that correct? Absolutely. If we can dictate on on true passing downs that it's two man routes, mm-hmm. now you're playing more zone and playing four over two. You know, if they want to keep everybody in and block JJ Watt and block Chandler and block our <laughs> Sam Backer, that's perfect. You know, we can we can play more shell and play, you know, top down quarters coverage and, and eat up two receivers with four DBs. If they want to get five guys out they have to block those guys one on one, right? You know, and that's a problem. And when you watch our tape from last year, we had a lot of times where we had five guys rushing and they were one on one, you know, and we didn't win quick enough, you know. But with JJ mm-hmm. Watt, 
who can still win one on ones. If they do that, he's going to win quickly, and it's going to make it's going to make our pass defense better. All I know is it's third and eleven, and a quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage, and he looks to his left. He's got Chandler Jones. He looks to his right. He's got J.J. Watt. Then he looks at Isaiah Simmons mugging the a gap, and Buda Baker's splashing from the other side. And right. there's a lot to consider if you're a quarterback at that moment. And and I get all that and what he does for your defense. Let me ask you, what does he do for your locker room? Because you can't help but notice how Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell Vance have all cited his leadership. And we know yeah. last year at times intensity and urgency and energy was inconsistent. So how far can one guy go yeah. when it comes to culture? He's going to be huge for that. Obviously, in professional sports, man, it's it, it's it's grown men, mm-hmm. you know. And every every coaching staff, guys, is preaching, doing it right, you know, playing fast, working hard, save your money, <laughs> you know, be good pros, all those things, right? But honest to God. The culture is pushed through the players. Yep. And when your best players are your best people, when your best players are your best workers, right, that dictates your culture. You know, so having a J.J. Watt, that dictates your culture because those guys set the tone you know, for, for practice, for, for extra work, for study, for treatment. It goes through the players. Coach-led teams only go so far, and player-led teams win championships. You know, so having J.J. in that locker room is going to be huge for our team. They have a real example of what it looks like on a daily basis. Listen, J.J. played, as you know, a ton last year. A thousand, yeah. Over a thousand snaps last year. Do you anticipate yeah. him getting that many snaps in 2021, or are you going to kind of monitor his snaps? I hope not, guys. I hope not. But it's going to be a chore to sit J.J. down. You know? But hopefully we can have a nice you know, rotation with Zach and those guys and Rashad Lawrence and Lucky. We've got a bunch of good mm-hmm. young players. You know, sitting behind him, who needs reps? You know, so I think I think having those young players behind him and and convincing JJ that quality is going to be better for us than quantity. You know, and you know we can get him out there on the critical downs. You know, especially the third downs, the second and long, the first of the series. Those those things are going to help him obviously stay you know healthy and uh, and to be fresh later in the season. But to play over a thousand snaps at his age, that shows you guys his his work ethic and. You know, you know how he trains, man. He trains like an animal, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's going to be he's going to be in great shape. All right, Vance Joseph, Cardinals defensive coordinator from earlier this offseason on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. And I tell you, watching Cardinals minicamp last month, you witnessed the sort of impact that JJ Watt has. That motor, uh, he's leading every drill. He's demanding more from everybody. He's yelling at himself for messing up reps. So he keeps it fun by busting on guys in front of the cameras. So it's going to be fun to watch J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, and company. Jordan Phillips is healthy again. You have the two young draft picks in that D-line, Lecky Foto, Rashard Lawrence, Zach Allen, the former third-round pick, spent his college years studying J.J. Watt's film. Because once again, you get Russell Wilson twice a year. The Rams traded for Matthew Stafford. You know Kyle Shanahan in that offense, and they have a healthy Jimmy G back or maybe even Trey Lance. If you win the NFC West, you're ready to win the NFC. And with that in mind, the Cardinals got some weapons on offense. What if we said they added a seven-time Pro Bowl receiver who says he's never had the likes of a DeAndre Hopkins alongside him? Up next, we're going to hear from two former Cardinals who are bullish on A.J. Green in red as we roll on with this best of edition of the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert dalton takes the snap 
fakes a handoff, rolls right. Lots of time got to fire him. deep down got the field. Him. AJ Green is open. He's got oh, it. The oh, line baby. 40. Yeah. Running down the field to the 30. Nobody's going to catch AJ Green as the Bengals Woo. go 82 yards. The longest catch of Adriel <laughs> Jeremiah Green's spectacular NFL career. That's the sort of excitement that a seven-time Pro Bowler, a guy with six 1,000-yard receiving seasons, can generate. A.J. Green, who will play at age 33 this season. Welcome back into our best-of edition of the Big Red Rage. Paul Calvice here. We've given Wolf the night off, and welcome back. Two words the Cardinals hope they use when it comes to the multi-talented A.J. Green. In fact, if I was to throw out the question, Name three receivers over the last 15 years who have been the best at contested catches. Would we not say Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and A.J. Green? Okay, so now, did the Cardinals buy low, sell high here where they're getting an A.J. Green if the foot injury is totally healed? He's no longer getting double covered because he has DeAndre Hopkins. He has an accurate quarterback in Kyler Murray, and he's off the hard turf of Cincinnati. These are all things that could bode well, but let's go to a receiver, a guy who played receiver for the Cardinals, 1995 to 2002. Frank Sanders was on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage, and we asked him for his reaction to the signing of A.J. Green. I mean, I, I, it blows my mind. I just, I would have never saw that coming. I'd have never saw DeAndre Hopkins being here. I'd have never saw J.J. Watt here. I just, I can't imagine how excited he has to be in transition to come to a team where he knows they're going to throw the rock. He's not solo by himself out there as the as the long you know as the long ranger out there as the number one guy um, in regards to on on on, the, on Cincinnati's offense. But just to have AJ Green here to watch what his skill set is, he can get in and out of cut. He still has some burst to him. He can, you know he can make all the catches. He runs all the routes. He just hasn't been on a good team where he can be truly used and explode and be as explosive as he can. Um, I just again. Frankie, can, can you put into words for anybody listening right now what it means to have a a really good wide receiver, dare I say a great <laughs> wide receiver on the opposite side of the field from you? What kind of impact does that typically have on on game day? To have somebody else on the other side, you know, that's got that same level of energy, talent, confidence, and that dog in them, look. You just it makes it makes your job that much easier because you know the defensive coordinator cannot double you. Um, he cannot. He has to give you one on one with this guy that they're paying seven to twelve million dollars. And they told me that this week in practice he was good. I tell you what, I'm about to get. I'm about to give him some popcorn right now because I'm about to eat. I'm about to eat his lunch. <laughs> that's how you start thinking as a receiver because you know that's a one on one situation. And to have because you got somebody on the other side. I was blessed to have Rob Moore. And David Boston on the side of me, and both of those guys were thousand plus yard receivers, and they just made my job that much easier. AJ Green was asked how much he feels he has left. Man, I feel like I have a lot left in the tank. You know, I still feel feel young. Legs feel young. You know, last year was a difficult year for me playing with uh, these different quarterbacks coming off an of injury, but you know, I wouldn't change that for anything in the world. I think that that made me a better person. You know, on the field, mentally stronger. But I know I feel like I got a lot more years left in me. So, Frank, let me ask you this. You know, here he is. He's in his 30s. He obviously doesn't have the blazing speed he had in you know his early 20s. How does that transition, though, with all the experience? And A.J. Green now at this point in his career, is he a different receiver automatically? What do you expect? You know, 
know, I, I think that the experience in itself uh, slows the game down. Um, the game plan, he doesn't have to, you know, cram to try to figure out what he's doing. He understands his position. He can breathe a lot easier uh, while he's playing the game. Uh, that allows him to relax more. Um, you don't have to have blazing speed in the NFL. You just have to have you have you have to know how to get in and out your cuts and how to set up the defense or the defender that allows you to have that window where the quarterback can make the throw. Um, so to me, what he has in the tank. Remember, guys, these are guys that have been on mostly losing teams. So they don't they haven't they haven't seen the depth of the playoffs. They haven't had to go out and really and really play seventy play games all the time. Defensively, JJ Watts had to because they were out there a lot. But most of these guys haven't seen long term uh seasons. They've been seventeen weeks and done. They have not seen that. So they got some gas in the tank. And I believe that when they say that because they changing a new environment, something about it makes you feel refreshed. And makes you feel yes. like you got something else to do and prove. And when you got something to prove, you're going to lose probably about three to seven pounds. You're going to do a little bit more. You're going to do the Ron Wolfley breakfast. Yes, Raw eggs in the morning with milk. It's just a little <laughs> bit of that stuff. You're going to do extra crunch, extra sit up because when you got something to prove, you got something to prove. And you definitely want the haters to eat all that words that they said to you. <laughs> Yeah, Frank, Frankie. just don't just don't put the words weight loss and Ron Wolfley in the same sentence. It's okay? so funny though, Frankie, to listen to you talk about this because you know what it was like. You went to the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. You went there yeah. after spending your vast career here with the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals, and I did the same thing. I went to the Cleveland Browns, and I, I'll never forget. It was like hitting the reset button all over again. It was like walking yeah. in for the first time into that locker room. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to. Oh, and especially you, I'm going to prove. It to right, I mean, it can be a refresh button for a player, can it? There's something special about the game, and it's called competition. And competition is supposed to make you better. And if it doesn't make you better, it's going to expose that you that dude or you not that dude. Yeah. And when you get a chance to go to a new place and you remember who you were, and they brought you in to prove, are you that dude? or where you has been. And I think these guys got so much to prove that they are that dude and they, they want to bring something to the table. Yeah, and if A.J. Green is set to prove that he is still the dude, that'll be something to behold. Frank Sanders on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage. Remember what A.J. Green told our Lisa Matthews recently that he's never played with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. They're both South Carolina guys, so we'll see what they do for each other. Because remember, A.J. Green is coming off a career-low season in 2020. His catch percentage was just 45%, only 47 receptions, on 104 targets, which is hard to comprehend. So we asked a former teammate, Frosty Rucker, the former Cardinal, about A.J. Green on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage as well. And our simple question, how much do you think he has left in the tank, Frosty? Well, I think A.J. Green has a lot left. I think his time was just up in Cincinnati playing on turf, uh, practicing on turf and, you know, sub-zero temperatures in December and things like that. I think uh, it was his time to break loose of that. He's spent his whole career there. Like you said, he's been a Pro Bowl player, top of the game, a uh, guy that can really go up and get the ball, great teammate, never hear anything bad about him. Uh, it's his time, you know, and, and it looks like uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the receiver group is just getting stronger. And this 
like I said, if AJ gets enough footballs this year, he may just be comeback player of the year. And I'm thinking as well, Frosty, that here is a guy that is on a one-year contract. It's kind of a prove-it contract, and he's leaving and playing with another franchise for the first time in his career, talking about a decade here. That, to me, I I think that is going to be good for A.J. Green. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, it's going to be a great thing. You know, that a lot of guys don't make it that long to get a tenure with a team like this. You know, he was on some sort of type of path like Larry was, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to leave after a decade of ball, one city, uh, you know, he only endured one coaching change at the head coach position. Uh this is an exciting time for AJ, I'm sure. A one year, it's a prove it deal. But, you know, sometimes that's all you need. You just need a fresh start. And coming here, again, the only issue is going to be how many how many times he can get the ball. Because I'm sure, you know, playing on grass, practicing on grass is only going to do it good with the, you know, the type of injuries he had had. And that was Frosty Rucker recently here on the Big Red Rage talking about A.J. Green. In fact, I had a chance to talk with Carlos Dansby, another former Cardinal, former teammate of A.J. Green's in Cincinnati, and Lowe said he's never seen a wide receiver practice harder than A.J. Green. And he noted how he's played with Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden and Brandon Marshall. So that'll be something to watch in camp because, look, if A.J. Green can be that outside guy and then the likes of a Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore can be inside and Cliff Kingsbury can deploy them anywhere he wants, that'll be a huge linchpin to this Cardinals offense. There's no doubt about that. You know A.J. Green's going to play hard, and you also know that you don't get the nickname Junkyard Dog without having an edge to your game. We're going to go from green to golden next. The guy who sets the edge, right? When we come back on this best of edition of the Big Red Rage brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Cardinals showing blitz. Here they come. Snap to Newton. Gets hit. Ball flutters up into the air. And it's picked off by Golden at the 23-yard line. And he's tackled. There is pressure backside. Cam Newton's arm was hit. The ball popped up into the air. And it's picked off by Golden. Oh, what a great way to start. On the first series, they came after him. A six-man rush. It was Jordan Hicks who knocked the ball into the air. All right, Ron Wolfley, Dave Pash on the call right there. Who says that West Coast teams start slow on the East Coast? Not Marcus Golden. He did that not once but twice last year. The interception at New England. He also had a strip sack and fumble return at the Giants. This is a best-of edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. I'm Paul Calvisi. How about Marcus Golden, right? If the Cardinals in the offseason, if their objective was to get more physical and value leadership and bring energy, well – no wonder they brought back Marcus Golden. The former second-round pick was traded midseason for a six-rounder, and from the time he became a Cardinal again to the end of the season, no one had a better pressure rate in the NFL than Marcus Golden, according to next-gen stats. He had 15 quarterback hurries. He had three sacks, and you know what? In the offseason, he got what he wanted, that two-year, $9 million extension. And as he put it in a tweet, Let's get to work. So we did just that. We had him on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage, talked about the addition of another big energy guy, J.J. Watt, and, of course, his return to Arizona. I feel great, man. Like That's what I've been telling everybody. I've been waiting on this. It seemed just like yesterday I got drafted here. Then I never wanted to leave, man, so it was tough. So to be able to come back here and be able to play, I'm excited, man, and just ready to go, ready to get after 
when you tweeted, if I saw it right, your first tweet said, you're staying home. It didn't say you're staying with the Arizona Cardinals. You used the word yeah. home. Why? Yeah, because, because, and you know, this this is where it all started for me in the NFL. I feel like um, the Arizona Cardinals gave me my first shot in the NFL and just by drafting me in the second round in 2015. So it's home to me, man. And uh, when when you uh, be able to come here and compete, man, and, and you be able to play for an organization that you really love, that's what it turned into. It turned to home, and, and that's what Arizona has grown, grown into for me, and I love it here, man. Marcus, I got to tell you right now, man, I, I am jacked up because I'm going to mention four names, Rodney Hudson, J.J. Watt, Calvin Beecham, and you, Marcus Golden. Those are four guys that play on the line of scrimmage that are really, really physical, dog. This is what I love. I am jacked up and fired up because I think there is a concerted effort by the organization and Steve Keim to get more physical on the line of scrimmage, and you're part of that, dog. You are part of that. You're right. You're right. And that's that's the same thing I said. I mean, you got Chandler, Day Day, the guys who named it. That's what I said, man. You got dogs out there, guys that you know going to bring it every day, even in practice. Just going to go hard in practice to get better, and then just going to go out in the game and hunt, too, and do whatever we got to do to win. So I'm excited, man. That, that's what I'm most excited about, getting out there with them guys and just getting out there hunting. How's it going to work when J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones is back? You didn't have a chance to play with Chandler last year. Obviously, had the season-ending biceps injury. But to give us some X's and O's, how do you think it's going to work when the three of you guys are out there on third and seven? That's the thing about it, man. If you, when it's time to get after the quarterback third down, the more guys you got that can get after the quarterback, the better. And so I think I feel like we're gonna make it work some way. The rest of the guys got to line up inside or outside. Coach them will be able to line us up and get us ready and throw up. And that's the thing I know about Coach Buck. Coach Buck, he throw up a lot of good third down rushes. So I'm excited to see how it's gonna be. I know it's gonna be special, man. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. See, this is one of the things too I'm all jacked up about because I think maybe, hey, listen, on a third and obvious pass situation, is there anything wrong with taking JJ Watt and sticking him over the guard in a three technique? Heck no, man. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And then having you come off the edge and Chandler Jones, I'm pretty jacked up about the entire situation right now. You guys got more physical on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I think also that's something that needs to take this locker room over. I'm jacked up about that because of the culture, and I see a culture shift happening inside this locker room, and that's something I don't think you can overstate. And that's what I feel like up front, it started up front, and you know that's how you win championship games, and you have players up front, like we got J.J. Watt, a guy that's really one of the best players ever playing in the NFL, right along with Chandler Jones, and you got guys on the offensive line that you know going to bring it to it. That, that brings a lot of difference to the culture, man. It brings out a lot of confidence in guys. I'm getting excited talking about it, man. <laughs> how much of your job description do you consider leadership? I mean, how big a part? Because, I mean, the decision makers with the Cardinals, right up to ownership, have made it pretty clear that they're looking for more leadership, that when they sign guys like Rodney Hudson and J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, these are all former team captains. So to what degree do you consider that part of your job? Anytime, any, I feel like anytime you step on the football field, man, you you in a team environment, everybody should be trying to be a leader, man. And you got guys who, of course, are the, the leaders of the pack, but everybody should be a leader some type of way, man, whether you're leading yourself or leading somebody else. So, of course, that's a big part of the game, and it's always good to bring in guys, like you said, three former captains. That says a lot about those guys. Anytime you can be voted captain by your teammates. So, 
that's good. That's going to help no matter what. The more leaders you can bring around, the more guys going to be able to know that's the type of environment we're trying to build. So that's exciting, too. Tell us about Vance Joseph and what's possible, what you like about his scheme, your defensive coordinator, and what you expect in 2021. First, I, I, I like that in the scheme you're able to get after. You're able to get after the quarterback, of course, and uh, you ain't sitting around watching and, and reacting. So that's the number one thing. You're playing real football. and After that, uh, he's aggressive. He's aggressive coach, but he's smart too, man. He know a lot. Just me being there halfway through the season and being able to – sit and learn from him. I learned so much, man, during the season. I was able to pick up the plays a lot faster just from the way he was teaching it. So he's going to keep it simple enough the way you understand what you got to do, but uh, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. It's going to be a lot of stuff he's going to throw at you, but, man, it's, it's a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff. What did we see last year? All right, you need a pass rusher to know a pass rusher. I mean, to what degree is, is Dennis Gardeck legit? Can we count on him this year? Because he came out of nowhere a year ago, Marcus. Of course. You can count on Dennis, man, because you know one thing about him, he's the hardest working player I ever played with, man. One thing about him, he's going to go hard every play, he's going to lay it on the line. And anytime you play the game like that, that's a guy you can count on. So I know one thing about Dennis, he's working hard to get his get his knee right, and he's going to come back, and he's going to keep hunting. And I love playing with Dennis. He's one of my favorite teammates ever, man. Marcus Golden recently on the Big Red Rage talking about Dennis Gardeck. And by the way, if you want to look yourself at Dennis Gardeck and his return, Cardinals flight plan caught up with Gardeck the Barbarian. In episode three, go to youtube.com slash Cardinals for all that. And think about if Gardeck returns seven sacks and just 93 defensive snaps. You get Chandler Jones back after his season ended last year in week five, along with Marcus Golden for a full season. You added J.J. Watt, a healthy Jordan Phillips. Phillips and all of a sudden a Cardinals pass rush a year ago that was top five in sacks because we all know what it comes down to in the NFL who you have playing quarterback and whether you can get to the quarterback team up with the Cardinals and State Farm by donating a backpack filled with school supplies for students in need in the Tempe Elementary School District support our virtual back to school drive from now through July 9th that's azcardinals.com slash back to school that's azcardinals.com slash back the number two school special thanks as always to executive producer Jim Omohundro Cody Fincher and Jeff Darge I'm Paul Calvisi this has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.